Miss Katz got a great children's church for all the kids who want to go. And while they are making their way, I'll say that this is a little bit different Sunday, obviously in a number of ways, but including in the, our sermon series. We are continuing a series that takes a deep look at the book of 1 Corinthians, and especially to all the... Oh, right over here. And especially at all the conversations in the book of 1 Corinthians about food. It's a big book. It's a deep book. It's a rich book. This letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. But somehow over and over again throughout the book, throughout the letter that he wrote to them, food comes up either as a metaphor or as a very explicit example of some of the problems, the challenges, the issues that they have to sort out. So today's sermon and today's scripture very much are in line with that and continue that theme. But it also has a particular word for our confirmands. And I'm just going to trust the rest of you to overhear the word of God in it somewhere. I invite you to hear now from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And so, brothers and sisters, before I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. As long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh? Behaving according to human inclinations. And when one of you says, I belong to Paul, and another one says, I belong to Apollos, are you not being merely human? What is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned each. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters, they have a common purpose. And each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. And you, you are God's field. You are God's building. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Y'all want to know something strange? I don't remember my own confirmation Sunday. I don't know why that is. I remember that I had a mentor, just like y'all do. Mine was a guy named Mr. Jimmy Hunt. I don't remember anything in particular that we talked about during confirmation. But that might have been because I'd known Mr. Jimmy for years. He was one of those people who just always seemed to be at the church. He volunteered at Bible Bowl on Sunday nights, helping the guys learn enough Bible facts that we might have a prayer of beating the girls when it came down to the big showdown, that we might be able to be the winning team that won the extra ice cream. I remember that during confirmation, Mr. Jimmy and I would meet at the church. I can remember the room where we most often met. I remember where we would sit. I cannot, for the life of me, remember anything that we talked about. Mostly, I just remember that he showed up. 
I remember our children's minister showed up a couple times at that church. I think I remember Reverend Jim Danley dropping by at least once during conversation. I can't remember what he said or what Miss Cates, our children's minister, said either. What's really strange is I have no memory of a day like this. I know it happened. I've seen a photo, one of them. I grew up in a church that was in some ways like the way, in some ways very different. But I was wearing a blue blazer just like some of y'all are this morning. I really don't remember, though, what it was like to say for the first time in front of a crowd that I wanted to follow Jesus. I do remember the first time I knew I wanted to follow Jesus. It wasn't a public thing. It wasn't in church. I was five years old. My family was living in this apartment complex because we were in between houses. We were, we were going to be moving to a new home, and the apartment had a pool, which was rad. I was coming back from the pool one afternoon and I just had this feeling of love just wash over me and when mom stepped inside the apartment I stayed behind for just a moment and I kneeled down and I prayed and I thanked Jesus for dying for me and I said something like Jesus I want you to be in my life and then I walked inside I had no idea what I was getting into I was a five-year-old I had only the vaguest idea of what I was even trying to say to Jesus. But Jesus was listening. And I want to let y'all in on a little secret. Nobody ever knows what they are getting into when they say yes to Jesus. Scripture we read this morning comes from a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in a city called Corinth. And Paul had no idea what he was getting into when he said yes to Jesus. About 15 years before this letter was written, Paul had left his home in Jerusalem and he was making a long walk to the city of Damascus, about 130 miles away. And he was making that long walk because it was his job to go and put people in prison for saying that Jesus was alive. But on the way, Jesus came to Paul in an overwhelming vision And changed his life, and Paul said yes to Jesus. Paul said, yes, you are my Lord. And he had no idea what he was getting into. You know how much of an idea he didn't have that he was getting into? He didn't go home for another three years. He didn't make it back to Jerusalem for another three years. Instead, he just traveled all over the place, telling people that Jesus had died for them, that Jesus had been raised from the dead, and that they should put their trust in Jesus because he was the proper and best Lord and King they would ever know. And that's how Paul then spent the rest of his life, traveling, telling people that Jesus is Lord. He went from being a hometown boy to a world traveler, He had no idea what he was getting into. And neither did the people in Corinth, the people that Paul was writing to in this letter we just read a moment ago. People in Corinth, they were still baby Christians. And the whole entire church, not a one of them had been a Christian for more than at most three years. Nobody in Corinth had ever even heard of Jesus before Paul came to the city and he began teaching everybody about Jesus dying and rising and being Lord of all. And Paul stayed there for about a year and a half with them. And then he was on the road again. He was gone. The only person they knew who had ever seen Jesus face to face was gone. And now, as he writes this letter, he's been gone for almost as long as he was in Corinth. 
He's been gone at least a year and a half, and the Corinthians, the people in this church, had begun to realize that they had no idea what they were getting into when they said yes to Jesus. They have all kinds of questions. They are wondering things like, who really counts as a Christian? They're wondering, what matters more to God? What I believe or what I do? They're wondering, what should we do when other Christians mistreat us? And they're wondering, what exactly should we do when we worship God? Most of all, they are wondering, who can we trust? Because Paul has left, and he's on the road again. And some of them have heard about Paul. They never met him. They came to know Jesus after Paul left. And others are big fans of Paul. Some of them have heard about this preacher named Apollos, who is friends with Paul but doesn't talk like Paul. Apollos is a student. He's got footnotes for everything he says. He always has a good quote from the Bible, and he sounds super smart. Some folks think he sounds smarter than Paul. And someone else says, well, you know, Apollos learned everything he knows from Prissa. And she used to live here, and we knew her, and we lived and worked alongside her. We trust her. Some are saying we follow and trust Prissa. Some are saying we trust Apollos. Some are saying we trust Paul. Others are saying we've never met him, but there's this guy out there named Peter, and we hear he's the real deal. Maybe we should take up a collection, get him to come be a guest preacher, and then he could tell us what's really going on. I bet he could fix everything. And somebody else says, well, my favorite preacher said on a podcast last week. Someone else says, my mentor told me last week. Somebody else finally says, I saw this TikTok about the three prayers that every Christian ought to be praying. And it's just getting more and more complicated. No one can agree on anything because everybody trusts somebody different. And basically, these baby Christians are beginning to realize that they had no idea what they were getting into. They said, yes, I will trust in Jesus. But they don't know how to do it. They keep trying to let someone else be their substitute Jesus. And a substitute Jesus is baby food. That's what Paul's telling the Corinthians. When he tells them they are still baby Christians, if they are fighting over whether to put their trust in Paul or Apollos or any other leader, Paul says that if you are asking me just to tell you what to do, that's like asking for baby food. And by the way, for those of you who don't remember your baby food days, you should understand baby food is not bad. Growing up, I had a cousin who ate baby food plums as her favorite dessert. Baby food can be delicious. And the real magic of baby food is that it's easy to digest. You don't have to chew it. Your stomach doesn't have to work very hard to get the nutrients into your body. Baby food is great for babies. But eventually there comes a time when your body wants to do more than simply lie in a crib and occasionally roll over. You got interested in crawling, then in pulling up and walking, and now y'all are doing all kinds of things. You're throwing balls and catching them and setting them and using weird nets to toss them around a field. Some of y'all have developed these deep, strong lungs. You take deep breaths so that you can play astonishing musical instruments. You're amazing at crafts and at artworks. 
You spend 20% of your energy every day just using your brain to think through all kinds of things and remember all the things you have stored in here. And to do all those things, your body needs more than baby food. Your body needs the dense and complex nutrients you can only get from leafy vegetables and chicken nuggets and pizza. It takes a lot of work for your body to break these things down. But the payoff is all the amazing things that you can do with the strength that you have acquired since you were a baby. And y'all are just getting started. I mean, you still have no idea how much you can do. You have no idea what you're getting into just by growing up. And it's the same in your relationship with Jesus. The only reason any of us here knows anything about Jesus is because somebody told us. Somebody made it a little bit easier for us to trust him. Somebody showed up in our lives and told us that Jesus is Lord, and we trusted that somebody enough to know that we wanted to know the same Jesus that they trusted. But Jesus did not make you to follow that somebody. Not your pastors, not your mentors, not even your parents. You were made for the freedom and the responsibility and all the possibilities that come from trusting in Jesus. You were made to let the Holy Spirit live in you and through you. You were made to stand up against evil and to do good in the world. And you were made to pray and read your Bible, to worship with all your attention on God so that God can surprise you and guide you through times in your life that no one else can. And that's what the food is like at the big kids' table. It's a life of prayer and service and generosity and just showing up to be with other Christians, not because you're following them or because they're following you. Now we show up because in something as simple as being there for one another, God tends to show up too. I told you all one secret already, that none of you knows what you're getting into. Can I tell you another Nobody else here knew either. Your mentors had no idea what they were getting into when they started following Jesus. They had no idea what they were getting into when they started meeting with you. If I'm real honest, I had to talk a few of them into it. It took some of them a little while to digest the idea that they had a faith worth sharing and I know it wasn't always easy for everyone, mentors or the confirmants. I bet there were a few awkward silences sometime in the last few months. A few times when you talked and talked and talked, and then you weren't sure you'd said anything. I'm sure there were times you chased a few rabbit trails. It's not always easy letting God grow your faith. It's not as simple as just letting someone else tell you what to do and what to believe. It's not baby food, but it's powerful. And I wonder if you have any idea how powerful it is. I wonder if you have any idea how many of your mentors have told me that their faith grew just by sharing it with you. And today, in just a few minutes, you're going to come forward and share your faith with us. And you'll make a promise to God, together with God's people, 
Do you accept responsibility that God is giving you for turning away from sin, for standing against the sin that happens around you? And above all, you'll accept responsibility for putting your trust in Jesus. And it won't always be simple. You'll always be tempted to put your trust in someone else. And if you do, when you do, there will come a time when they let you down. Not even because they're bad or mean. They'll move away. They'll make a perfectly human mistake. (laughs) They'll mess up some way that you don't blame them for, but they'll let you down because even the very best leader or teacher or guide you can imagine isn't Jesus. He's the only Lord. The one whose love for you is so total that he died for you. The one who rose from the grave so that nothing could ever keep him from you. I like how Paul put it in the letter today. Jesus is the one who makes things grow. Or as Paul says in a different letter, he is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And he's made you to be a part of this church to be a part of his purpose in the world around us. We had no idea what we were getting into when we baptized you. We never do. It's such a gift to find out. You have no idea what you're getting into. But you know the one who will be with you every step of the way. Hold on to him. Stay near him. Let him feed your soul with his word and his worship, with prayer and with the power that comes from just showing up. And at the end of this chapter, just past what we read earlier, Paul gives a final blessing to the Corinthians. He says to them, all things are yours. Whether Paul Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all of it is yours. For you are of Christ and Christ is of God. And now all this church is yours too. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. And I wonder what wonderful things God is getting us into. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.